The Zooier Than Thou podcast contains mature content and language and may not be suitable for younger audiences. Thanks for your understanding. Greetings, fellow ghouls and zoos, and welcome to a spooky episode of Zooier Than Thou. I'm Fausty, who is supposed to identify himself as some kind of scary Halloween <laughs> thing. And I'm Toggle, the friendly ghost. And I'm Doodle. Just Doodle. Yep, Another donkey. That's Doodle. And, <laughs> that's uh, Doodle. Collectively, we will be your storytellers for this evening's episode. Gather around the campfire zoos. We've got one hell of a show for you this evening. <laughs> get, get it? Uh, hell. Hell. Right? Get it? Hell. Halloween. See? Ooh, spooky. Uh, Halloween. Ooh. This is the part in the script where you and I banter with each other, Doodle. What should we banter about? <laughs> hmm. I don't see any mirrors in those lines. <laughs> <laughs> we are so guilty of not including a gratuitous mirror reference by line 14 of the script. Doodle has us on that one, Toggle. Oh, I think that man. we will have to insert gratuitous mare references from this point forward. And with that, I will hand the banter back to you. <laughs> well, before we get too far down the road with a bunch of mare references, let's tackle some of these emails before we get too backed up again. Speaking of mares, who's up first? <laughs> <laughs> What's on second? Uh, let's give it up for Bears. the Red Rocket Ship Pilot. Mares. Ma- Mares. will you do the honors, Mares? <laughs> <laughs> but of course, the pilot writes, Greetings, Fausty and Toggle. After finding out about your podcast from Twitter, I've been listening to and loving it since September. Usually while flying my vaguely phallic video game spaceship that I totally <laughs> didn't paint to look like a canine anatomy. <laughs> I have to say, I think the latest episode, October 17th, was the best so far. Mm-hmm. It had me smiling and laughing and learning all the way through. The question I want to ask, I'm pretty sure I already know the answer to, but I suspect you two might like to rant about anyways, is this. If someone, for whatever reason, doesn't have sex, can they still be considered zoo? Rant? Yes. Rant? So, Togo, we're supposed to rant about this. Uh, Yeah, yes, actually. Yep. No. So, my answer is also yes. Um, We can add some ranting in if you want to, but really just the answer is yes. So, yep. (laughs) Doodle, what is your opinion? Full agreement on that. You don't have to have sex to be a zoo. I mean, it's sex is part of a relationship. That doesn't mean you have to have sex for a relationship. What if they haven't had sex with a mare? Well, I mean, damn. Damn them to hell. (laughs) Well, that changes everything. (laughs) At that point, they're not even a human being at that point. Well, then, I'm quite offended. (laughs) Yes. Indeed. Toggle, you so, were saying. I mean, sexuality is kind of fluid, but when you get down to it, we don't tell someone they aren't straight if they haven't had sex before, so <laughs> why would you do it with zoos? Yeah. It's pretty simple. Agreed. Fuck! Ass! Wait, I am an ass. Rant. Ins- insert, insert <laughs> rant You're here. You're such a fucking ass. Goddamn son of a bitch. Can't fucking believe that. Kind of a stupid... Anyway, Doodle, back to you. Turn to right, look at camera, nod head, and say yes. The pilot concludes, Thanks for all the wonderful episodes so far. I wish Fausty the best possible health, and I now live for every sentence Toggle says that contains the word fuck. Love from space, red rocket ship pilot. That's a lot of sentences. Fuck yeah! (laughs) And all joking aside, (laughs) thank you for the uh, uh, kind wishes for good health. Also, yeah, we all like to hear when Toggle says fuck because it sounds so much like a rat saying fuck that each time we see that, I look over at him and I just see a rat sitting right where he is. Um, 
And uh, <laughs> I, I think that we will just go ahead and add the word fuck to every sentence in the script from this point forward alongside Mare, which, you know, could add up to some interesting sentences. Next up, here's one from Saturn, fifth planet in our solar system. Lots of letters from outer space today. You'd think there was some kind of theme going on here if you didn't know better. <laughs> Saturn writes, hello there, long time listener. I just wanted to say I really enjoy your podcast. It has really helped me see my relationship with animals in a different way. I have recently committed myself to a canine lover. I just wanted to say thank you for the encouragement and inspiration your show provides. That's an uncharacteristically short and sweet email. Does not mention mares once, but that's okay. Shame. Thank you so much for the kind words and our congratulations to both you and your new canine paramour. Yeah, we're super fucking glad we can be an inspiration for healthy, happy, and zooey relationships. It's absolutely fantastic to hear that the podcast once again helps another person out with their relationship. I mean, anything yeah. that the podcast can do to help Indeed. others is always fantastic. Fucking that A. Is, that is actually what got us to start the thing in the first place. So I cannot disagree. Yeah. Up next, we have the Norwegian Phantom, who is not named after an astronomical object, I don't think, question mark, maybe? I'm sure a Norwegian Phantom is some kind of like slick bedroom slang for a comet. Uh, actually, I once owned an AV that was called the Norwegian Phantom, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. a mare a stole it from me, so I don't have it anymore. Oh my God. Back to Doodle. The Phantom writes, hello. I'm a 36-year-old zoophile from Norway that has been keeping the secret for all of my life. No one knows what I feel, and I have never tried to find any other like me in person. I have a wife and kids, so I'm pretty much set in my situation. I grew up on a farm and lived a happy childhood with my stallion and dogs. I love your podcast, and if there is a forest of zoo podcast, I haven't found one but yours. <laughs> There's only ours for now. Yeah, we did actually come clean a few episodes back that that was a an inside joke that became too insidey and too jokey for our own tastes. And we had to finally tell everybody, no, there's not actually a bunch of other zoo podcasts, but that is actually changing pretty soon. We are in active work mode with uh, several people helping them to get started on their own zoo podcasts. Some directly offshoots of Zooier Than Thou, some completely standalone. We are genuinely excited to be sharing this landscape for real instead of just an overplayed, really run to the ground inside joke like it was before. The Phantom continues, You two have given me hours of good entertainment, and I'm glad to have found anyone that dares to put this podcast into the world for you guys like me to listen to. But that last one you started talking politics, and I have to wonder, why do people always have to bring up politics? I'm so mm. sick of hearing about BLM and Trump everywhere. Not that I disagree, but I'm sick of the whole thing. No matter what president that's in the White House, it will not change what we are or move the taboo on zoophilia. Other than that, I would rate this podcast 10 out of 10. And I must thank you for taking the time to make this content. Best regards, Phantom. So here's the thing, Phantom. First, we're so glad you're enjoying the podcast. And I know hearing about Trump day in and day out can get exhausting. It's exhausting for us, too. But he's part of our reality that we don't really get to escape. Just like police brutality is a reality that African Americans can't just turn off when they get tired of hearing about it. Mm-hmm. I have some friends in Norway, actually, and I understand it's a pretty nice place for the most part. I can only imagine hearing about American politics is tedious, especially when it has nothing to do with you at all. But what's happening here very much affects us. Fausti has been the victim of targeted police brutality. The fascist agenda that our presidential administration pushes forward affects all minorities, racial, sexual, whatever, and it's indicative of regimes popping up around the world. More than all of that, though. 
By studying the people who most effectively fight against oppressors, whether it's BLM or AOC, we can better arm ourselves to fight against the people who want to hold us down. In the end, when we're fighting to get our legal rights back, it's a battle of politics, and it's important to be politically savvy and know what's going on, so that we can employ tactics that work instead of wasting energy on distractions. We don't exist in an apolitical vacuum, and in the episode you're referring to, the Media Mastery episode, the politics were relevant to the discussion about zoos using media effectively. While I do hate that it put a damper on your enjoyment of the podcast, sometimes engaging with politics is necessary. I'm going to agree almost across the board with what Toggle has said on that uh, contribution from our listener, Phantom. I would like to extend only in two regards. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank Phantom for checking us, in a sense, on the question of politics and the inclusion of politics in the podcast. Mm -hmm. It is yes. correct that this is not a political podcast in the conventional sense of human politics arguing back and forth, um, not right. even for a specific country or you know all countries. That's really not the focus of what we do here. And if and mm -hmm. when we ever do fall into the trap of um, chattering endlessly, about um, politics in a way that is not relevant to our lives as zoos, that is an absolutely appropriate uh, time for our listeners to raise a hand and remind us that that's not what we should be doing. Right. So I thank Phantom for taking the time to ask the question and to bring our attention to the question, even though I do agree with Toggle that in the Meeting Mastery episode, the uh, political inclusion, I think, ties into what we were discussing and, and wasn't gratuitous. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would extend only in one regard what Toggle had to say in that um, as zoos and something I've seen over the decades, sometimes we can feel that we're so disconnected from the politics of the world around us because of our marginalized status mm. that it seems irrelevant, whatever, it's all bad, everybody hates us, there's no point to even follow it. Uh, I think that's a um, demoralizing and uh, self-defeating attitude. Mm. And, and I do believe that it is healthy for us to see ourselves as part of our political um, ecosystem, um, despite the fact that we have challenges as a marginal community, mm -hmm. or maybe even more so because we have challenges as a marginal community, we have an obligation to be aware of and cognizant of our role in the larger political environment. And I think that is healthy so long as it doesn't turn into an obsession. Well fucking said. Thank you. So let's uh, take a break from our emails to bring on some Halloween fun. Also some airs. We'll be back with more Zooey Horror right after this. The October sky turned to dusk early in the evening. And though Sir Benjamin Wellington had been warned about traveling through the forest at night, he had an important engagement in the next town over the next evening, and he wanted to make good time. Besides, old wives' tales about the horrors of the forest didn't scare Ben. He was a man of science, and the superstitions of common folk were beneath him. The trail through the forest was well-traveled, and his horse was familiar with the route. So though he was delayed with appointments that kept him indisposed well past sundown, he endeavored to make the trip by moonlight. He packed his saddlebags and ignored the innkeeper's warnings to stay until sunrise. Now, now, we both know you simply want your room filled another night. There's nothing in those woods that could scare me. 
been quipped. And the innkeeper just shook his head as Benjamin took his horse Archimedes from the stable and rode off into the night. As he approached the forest, Benjamin noted the lack of moonlight, a new moon, and silently acknowledged that conditions weren't perfect for night travel. Still, headstrong as he was, he endeavored forward. He and Archimedes would simply have to take it slow and steady. However, as they approached the point where the trees cast midnight shadows over the starlit trail, Archimedes stopped. Come on now, Archie, let's get going, Ben said. But the horse didn't budge. We can't stay here all night, Archimedes, we gotta get going. But Archimedes only stepped backward. Benjamin kicked the heels of his boots into the horse's sides. Ouch! What the fuck is wrong with you? Archimedes suddenly bellowed, much to Ben's surprise. But that's not all the horse had to say. You kick me like that again, motherfucker! I'll buck you so far into this dark-ass forest, your little compass won't know north from south! Wait, you can talk? Motherfucker, I talk to your punk ass all the damn time! Your big head ass just don't listen! And I done told you about 511 times I ain't going to these damn dark-ass woods. But we need to be in the next town by morning. I'll tell you what, you ain't never gonna make it into that town if we go into that forest right now. What are you talking about? Look, motherfucker, I ain't got time to be explaining everything to you all the damn time. I said we ain't going in there. Something ain't right. Horses got ESP and some shit about this kind of stuff. So you can either trust me or walk your bitch ass through these damn woods on your own. Shit. This is ridiculous. Ridiculous? You wanna know what's ridiculous? I heard like 20 motherfuckers tell your thick ass not to go in these damn woods at night. And here your dumb ass is. Listen some of that old two-legged nonsense. Your dumb ass is too hung up on how fucking smart you are. You stay ignoring everyone around you. Well, you ain't ignoring me tonight, motherfucker. I'm 1,500 pounds of fucking your whole day up and you kick me in the fucking sides like that again. Well, what do you propose to do? Ben asked. Glad no one was around to see his horse royally roast him. Do you know another way around the forest? Do I look like I come with GPS installed? Shit. Listen, all I know is we ain't going through these damn woods. Whether or not you want to walk our happy asses around or stop being a punk-ass motherfucker and go back to the inn and say, fuck it, I was wrong. My bad. That's up to you. Benjamin Wellington thought for a moment. Perhaps there would be a time to travel during the day and still make his appointments in the evening. He decided that night to listen to the wise counsel of his horse, swallow his pride, and return to the inn until morning. This was good, because if he hadn't, he would have absolutely found himself at the mercy of the creatures of night that lurk in the midnight woods. It's kind of a shame, though, because that leaves us with an unsatisfying and uneventful ending. But maybe, sometimes uneventful evenings lead to greater adventures in the future. Welcome back. I'm pouring myself some eggnog as we continue with our Halloween special. Eggnog? Isn't that a Christmas thing? At some point they decided they could sell it on Halloween and I'm not complaining. I'd buy this shit year round if they sold it. Mm. Is it pumpkin spice mare flavored? <laughs> yes, actually. God damn it. 
How did I not know about that? <laughs> you know, the other day I was at the store and they had pumpkin spice flavored dog treats. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, look it up. Greenies dental treats for mares. For mares. <laughs> As Toggle yes, might say, capitalism has gone too far. <laughs> also, not far enough because there is definitely a lack of mares in the current capitalist regime, if you ask me. <laughs> well, there's a point where you have to ask yourself, who is this pumpkin spice flavor for? <laughs> the person buying it or the person actually eating it? Or mares? The pumpkin spice must flow. Ask not for whom the pumpkin spice flows. It flows for thee. Oh. I'm going to flow this good-ass eggnog into my noggin. <laughs> uh, whilst our rat friend <laughs> indulges, Doodle... Do you want to actually do something productive other than whatever Toggle's doing and read the next email? Or are you too busy thinking about other things of a more, well, you know. <laughs> you all know me too well. <laughs> Certainly. <Fair enough. laughs> Here's one from Canine Crazy. Crazy writes, I thought that the piece at the beginning of the cast about guilt, isolation, and or self-acceptance was very interesting. And for many, it's about upbringing, social environment, religion, etc., then Fausti mentioned he never felt those things, and it was awesome because I was starting to feel maybe I'm weird because I'm the same. Nope. The first time I was attracted to anything in that way, it was dogs. I honestly don't think about it too much until I got into puberty and had an amazing experience with a female GSD without a second thought. The opportunity presented itself, herself literally, mm. and I took it. Mm. I wasn't even thinking about her in that way until she propositioned me, and then I was instantly like, shwing! <laughs> Holy Shwing. shit. Easy to look in a mirror when you're just getting ready for the day, but when you look in the mirror at yourself, eye to eye, it can be very intense. I thought to myself, is there something wrong with me? Am I a sick pervert like the majority protests? Am I ashamed of what I did with that girl? She seemed perfectly pleased with the whole encounter, and she started it. Nope. Not a shred of guilt or self-doubt. I was not ashamed. I felt good. Really good. I would do it again in a heartbeat. I did not feel dirty or gross. I did feel a little naughty, but in a good way. Well, I never got the chance to be with her again. She still is a main player in my fantasies, and I remember the brief time I had with her vividly. It was a beautiful, defining moment in my life. Me and that dude, looking back from the mirror, shared a smile about it. Well, I didn't really have a word for at the time, I was a zoosexual. Guess my point is, I had a pretty good childhood, not privileged or impoverished. I had loving, somewhat liberal parents, my grandma used to take me to a Baptist church. I'm a somewhat attractive white mm -hmm. male, which, as horrible but true as it is, means things in life probably came easier for me than for those who are not. I've always been attracted to dogs, and I've never had a problem with it. I wouldn't say I'm proud, but I definitely like it about myself. I don't feel isolated and alone, harboring a dark and slimy secret. It's my only-for-me thing, my happy place that only I and a few dogs know about. I have sympathy for those who struggle with it because I never had to deal with such feelings of self-loathing or identity crisis or feeling icky inside about it and or having to come to terms with it. I guess if anything, after hearing people struggle and self-doubt about it, I feel lucky and fortunate. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you're being loving, respectful, and considerate with your partners, there ain't nothing wrong with being a zoosexual. Not a thing. Your happiness is up to you, not them. Mm-hmm. You know, once again, it's always good to recognize that shame or self-loathing is not inherent to our zoosexuality. Definitely. There's there's no... Uh, you shouldn't feel any shame or self-loathing from that. As, as Fausti would say, it, it's a human concept. It's a, it's a human thing that we put on ourselves. The animals don't care about it. They're not worried about it. It's, it's nothing to really be ashamed of. Just because general society decides, oh, we should feel shame for that doesn't mean we 
honestly should or there is anything to be ashamed about. So where do you think that's coming from, Doodle? Mm. People. <laughs> People. Fair enough. That's a one-word answer. <laughs> Suitable for a mayor. <laughs> I've read over this email a, a number of times. I'm not going to admit how many mm-hmm. because it's fascinating. And uh, I, I think... It, it forks in two directions for me. On, on the one hand, what Canon Crazy is saying, um, it kind of makes me feel like part of me wants to say, well, it's unfortunate that you're so isolated, you know, in, in your sexuality, you're not connected with other zoos, not really connected with the community. And even though you kind of feel like you, you aren't ashamed of your sexuality, you know, maybe part of me wants to say, yeah, but your actions seem to indicate that maybe you are. But the greater part of me disagrees with the lesser part of me or whatever metaphor we're using here, because I think that <laughs> um, analysis would be fundamentally wrong. Because as I scan back over the decades and think of zoos I know, I actually know quite a few zoos all around the world who are happy with themselves and their family don't feel a deep mm. need necessarily to connect with the community. Sometimes these are the zoos who are most um, well settled, uh, uh, comfortable in their own skin, don't really feel a lot of complicated um, uh, uh, emotional back and forth ab- about their sexuality. They're not torn you know, in two directions. They're just happy with who they are. And um, I seem to think of this as being particularly common in my Scandinavian friends in the community. I don't know if that's truly, mm. you know, a, a generalization that would hold. But at least in my in my network of, of friends, that, that I know quite mm. a few over there who don't really feel a deep need to reach out and be deeply connected with other zoos because they're quite happy with who they are. I can't find anything wrong mm. with that. I, I, I just don't think that's unhealthy, right. really. I mean... Uh, the connections that matter are the connections with their partners, right? Right, right. I think in Scandinavia, though, the isolation is kind of a, a thing you just have. Like I, I mentioned earlier, I have a friend in Norway who's just kind of like, he described it as like little tiny towns where each town has its own dialect because yes. you don't really, yes. they, there's not a lot of intermingling. So yes. <clears throat> I can see why that might be a, a, a thing that you experience with Scandinavian zoos. Yeah, I, it, and it seems natural and comfortable, and I really had to look back in, in my own memory and, and in my own contacts and remind myself that in a sense there's, I'm not going to say a silent majority because I don't have the data to make that generalization, but certainly a non-trivial mm. percentage of the zoos I know are zoos who are comfortable at home with their partners and are quite happy with the way things are working, are not ashamed, are not struggling with, you know, complicated emotional issues and are living great lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. wonderful. So I, I really appreciate Canine Crazy writing in to, in a sense, uh, provide an example that is almost the uh, like the hidden variable in the equation in that we wouldn't often hear from mm. folks who are not struggling with challenging issues or reaching out for some advice or feedback from us because the folks who are quite happy with what they're doing they may be listening to the podcast obviously quite a few of them are but they're not feeling a need to write in and ask questions or so on and so forth so it, i really am grateful that we had the opportunity to receive this email because I think it represents an important part of the community and, an, and a fundamentally healthy part of the community hmm. at that. Yeah. Definitely. So up next, here's one from Triple B. King BBB writes, Good evening. <laughs> I'm new to this podcast and this podcast has given me a new love for podcasts in general. So thank <laughs> you for the great work you provide for such a beautiful community. As for my question... Would having multiple animals in the household mean you're living in a polyamorous relationship if the love is equally shared? 
as a follow-up, if you only have one lover and you find yourself in a situation where you're lusting for another, is it considered cheating? Well, that question can be spun around for the animal's perspective, too. I actually see the two questions as, as fundamentally two sides of the same coin. And um, mm. I, I initially uh, look at this analysis from the non-human perspective right off the bat. I, it didn't occur to me there was another perspective. Mm-hmm. And then I had to stop and go, oh, right. Yeah, there's, <laughs> I guess there's the human perspective, well, the human too. Perspective, right? Right. <laughs> well, that's a rounding error. But from the non-human, I, I, I'm remembering back when I was arguing with um, non-zoos, and talking with non-Zeus on on various forums, Blue Light famously was a forum I used to be a moderator on. One one of the assumptions that a number of the uh, non-Zoo uh, participants in those conversations would often put on the table as as a given fact was that because my family at the time included more than one canine member, there would obviously be vicious slash fatal jealousy be- between multiple parties in in our family and and that would result in death for everybody just death it was good it's going to be death and it was like death really i don't (laughs) i'm not seeing death here and and i really found myself uh debating a fact that wasn't debatable because i was living with my family and nobody was jealous so i do think that maybe not all but boy, an awful lot of the um, perceived jealousy that even zoos, I think, can export onto non-human family members really is a human export because mm-hmm. I have had people who should know better who are expert dog folks, not zoos, but decades of experience with dogs, tell me that two stud dogs will kill each other. They'll kill each other. And I'd be like, well, no, actually, you can give them both a blowjob at the same time and nobody gets upset. Right. But like, that's not possible. <laughs> what? I did it this morning, you know, like, no, it's possible. You can't, I mean, you, you can't argue that it's possible because I've done it. You know, I mean, so one is talking hypothetically and another is saying, well, basically in the last 25 years, I've done that all the time. Right. And I, I actually had to think back and go, I've actually never seen that problem. Right. And I've been, I'm not going to say I'm a whore in my younger days because <laughs> I'm hopefully still a whore, at least in spirit. Nah. Um, but yeah, I've been around and, and you know, it always wasn't always just me and one other partner. And man, that whole jealousy thing, the more people tried to convince me that non-humans were just absolutely um, completely entangled with potentially deadly jealousy, I would look around my house at my dogs and go, you guys feeling jealous? And they'd be like, nah, not really. <laughs> I mean, everything's cool. Yeah. So I, I do feel like whether we call this, you know, a, a polygamous relationship or whether we think of ourselves as this or that, these are, these are categorical errors that I think come from human language mm-hmm. and don't necessarily reflect the fluidity and reality of multi-species relationships as I've right, known them right. and many other zoos I know who have known them. And they, mm-hmm. they come and go, they flow, they ebb. Sometimes you're really into somebody and maybe he or she is really into you. And then maybe that ebbs a little bit. Mm-hmm. Somebody else is kind of, you know, really into things. It just, mm-hmm. it, it, it never felt complicated because it all just kind of happens comfortably because everybody is tuned into each other and it's just part of daily life. So I, I don't know that I find myself deeply invested in in what h- human sexual categories we're, we're trying to export right. onto um, multi-species zoo relationships because I don't yeah. think they're fundamentally applicable. Yeah, I was thinking, I wonder if right. it's really important to describe these sorts of human relationship paradigms and your relationship with animals. Uh, 
If you recall from a couple of different episodes of Ask Zooey, labels like polyamorous really only exist to help us convey a complex part of ourselves to others more easily. Well said. What do you think, dude? I think it doesn't really matter about having a label on this since it doesn't particularly matter to the animal anyway. It, it's, it can be important to have a label on it just so you have something to call it, but your animal's not going to care if you are with someone right. else. It's, they, there's no concept of cheating for an animal. It's, it's a human right. thing. As far as cheating goes, I'm not entirely sure it's important to lay down the ground rules for that. Like, So cheating is essentially when you transgress the boundary set in a relationship, but my instinct is that if you're in a monogamous relationship with an animal, it's something you've laid out for yourself, mm. not in partnership with the dog. You'd be cheating on your own rules, and I imagine if you gave your canine companion the chance to seek out other sexual companions, they'd probably take yes. up that opportunity without hesitation. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's kind of. I don't think it's worth uh, worrying about. I just. I have to say this because it actually ties into the uh, the name of our podcast, Stewarder Than Thou, which, <laughs> for those who are not familiar with old nomenclature. Um, mm. To be zooier than thou is to kind of go above and beyond, above, almost to a satirical level, in in ex espousing the the best of of zooish, um, you know, good morality. So a, a classic example of that for me is I have had you know more than a few zoos over the decades, who have found out that I wasn't exclusive with an individual canine or equine partner at a point in time, and flipped out at me. How dare oh you cheat God. on your partner? I'm oh like, what? Boy. Well, you're cheating on him. No, I'm not. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you're not being faithful to him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I mean, he's sitting right next to me right now, and he is not looking at me like I'm being non-faithful. He's looking at me like he's bored and wants to go out and do something fun outside because he's tired of me sitting at the computer. Like, no, that's not, from the dog's perspective, he's not experiencing that. That is you projecting onto him a conception of monogamy right. that he's not telling me he wants, right? right? And I have had relationships break down with zoos because they felt I was being a disrespectful, disrespectful, disloyal piece of shit to my non-human partners because I wasn't exclusive to them and it's like yeah. that's zooier than thou because holy shit man easy tiger like it's not <laughs> it's not that I'm like just like don't care about their, their concerns and don't put them at the center of my universe that's not the point it's just straight up well you had sex with somebody else yeah and well then you're cheating on him no I, I think no come on man <laughs> that's such a projection right trying to project mm -hmm. monogamy onto a species who's not monogamous right. it's that's yeah right. it doesn't work yeah well, i mean i don't even think humans natural state is necessarily monogamy either it's yeah. a cultural thing there are other cultures where monogamy is like what are the fuck are you doing of course you're not going to stay with the same person for the rest of your life yeah right what are you thinking now i have known especially some canine zoos who for many years um you know up to a decade were with one partner and that partner was with them and they're super mm -hmm super happy with that and it's great that's super that's wonderful that yeah. works for you guys you have a great relationship that doesn't mean that that's the only model of good relationship that anybody right. else can have exactly, exactly. Oh, man. exactly. I, I mean that's just a little silly but it's a thing i mean it's out yeah, there I think, and, and i think you, you know, get that with human relationships too uh, people don't understand especially because i don't even think it's polyamory as much as just not being monogamous right is it's, it's kind of like people will tell you, you aren't actually in love with someone because you uh, had sex with someone else. I just yeah. think it's a, it's a strange mm -hmm. attitude to have. I do believe there might even be somebody, perhaps I'm mistaken, 
who has experience, you know, in a human relationship where it was stated that, mm. well, if there's non-humans involved, that's one thing that can be okay. But if there was ever another human involved, whoo, that is completely way over the line. And that's interesting because like, you know, where we, we define our boundaries and what works for us, I think mm -hmm. is fundamentally what works for us. Yep. And we communicate right. it with our partners and we work it out with our partners and you know, whatever that mm -hmm. is as adults, I think we have the opportunity to craft relationships that are healthy for everyone. Maybe not forever. Maybe that changes life changes. That's okay. But for now, yeah. but the boundaries know, can change and the yes. boundaries can change. Right. As long as we're communicating and being adults using our words, or if we're non-human using our expressions and our, and our, are clear, you know, expressions of intent and preference, then mm -hmm. fair enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. That that's how we learn how to be friends and partners with each other. And, and that's not written in a book that's written in daily life. Right. Yeah, and every relationship mm -hmm. is not going to be exactly the same. It's some relationships. So you may want to be monogamous and that's up to you, up to your partner. Yep. Depends on how your relationship yep. goes and how you decide to yep. do things. Uh, for a minor example of my mare, she mm -hmm. doesn't like certain other mares and if, say I was with them and go to visit with her she'll get mad at me and snap and say it's a marriage she doesn't yep. have a problem with she doesn't care it, it just depends on your partner depends on you depends on your relationship Absolutely. it's not a set requirement very true interesting i was yeah. yes i was thinking the same thing and i was thinking about marriage and hoping you would step in because i have had such experiences before and it was like <laughs> okay is anybody going to say that because why are you that talking to that trick yeah that can be a thing yep Oh, that's that's, that's yeah. right on the point. That's pretty that much how she is. She's just like, like oh, that, that you little hussy. To her. Of course you talked to her. That fucking hussy. Uh, yeah, but she's not like, oh, well, you're cheating on me. We're, we're done, done forever. We're not talking anymore. For, yeah, for the next 10 minutes, She's just like, oh, I'm mad at you for about a minute. And, okay, I'm fine. Yeah, pretty much. Well, she's disappointed in you. Yeah, I mean, you, you've clearly transgressed a boundary that matters to her, and you recognize that, and you would think twice about doing that in the future. Exactly. It's, it's a mistake you make once, and you... Yeah. Rectify the mistake. Yeah. You don't make it again. You, you care about it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. If something doesn't work, then you would look and go, whoa, okay, I guess that didn't That's work. That's part of learning. Let's figure out a way to mm -hmm. do that so that it you works. You don't learn unless That's you make a mistake. That's part of being in a good, healthy relationship. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and, and yeah, note yeah. that none of this has anything to do with the label that we're putting on any of this. This, mm -hmm. is, this is very iterative and fluid right. and fundamentally non-human. We get stuck, as a Zen Buddhist, I have to say, we get stuck in the reification of human language and we get disconnected from the reality in which we actually exist. Mm -hmm. And that's a that's <laughs> an intellectual say, failure. The Foucault yeah. in you as well. Well Might said. Also yes. agree with that. Well said, <laughs> yes. Which we will get back to, Toggle, I hope, in some future episode and geek out yeah. <laughs> unlimited uh, on Foucault. I, I look forward to that discussion because there's so much to dig into. Not to mention Derrida, oh, who happened to write a book about animals. I mean, just saying oh. so oh not an easy book either <laughs> no <laughs> yeah so anyway back to the no, subject once you get to that 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 part of the the sociological realm like that era of sociology everything gets really weird and hard very really <laughs> weird actually like, a good word yeah just weird like, yeah it got weird definitely got weird yep <laughs> all right you folks so that was a pretty interesting email thank you king bbb uh, we're about to head into another break. In the meantime, we're going to pass out the marshmallows and tell ghost stories. Buckle up, boys. Here we go. Now, the new world is no stranger to its own monsters and spirits. The West is haunted with the ghosts of natives, pioneers, and old sourdoughs. The most famous of America's ghosts is that of the headless horseman of Sleepy Hollow, the Hessian soldier who lost his head to a cannonball during the American Revolutionary War. 
Run! It's the Headless Horseman! Well, that was fun. What? No, it was fun. Fine. It was fine. Well, if you must know... Ever since you've lost your head, things have just been so hard for me, you know? I feel like you don't pay attention to me like you used to. Every day, day in, day out, all you do is look for pumpkins to throw at people. You used to let me eat the pumpkins. I miss that. I have needs too, damn it. I haven't been crumped in half a century. You think I can just waltz up to anybody and say, Hey, uh, you mind giving me a blowjob? No. They go screaming for the hills because an undead stallion with a heart on just asked for a blowjob. <laughs> you can be so insensitive sometimes. Oh my fucking god. You aren't even listening, are you? Um. Ahem. <laughs> fucking rude. Well, at least one of us is getting head tonight. Oh, really? Look who's suddenly pre-Madonna. You better get that gaudy-ass cape out of your bloody neck stump, mister. And listen to me. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what I was telling the Jersey Devil about. Oh, now you listen. You, you act so jealous of my friends, yet when I ask for a simple brush down, suddenly it's all business with you. Newsflash, bucko. We only work once a year. Come on, my Hessian honey. You know there's no dark rider for the stallion but you. You know, without permission anyways. I have needs, mister. I used to love feeling your hands on me, and now all I get is to feel my own damn belly. I am not a nag, you decapitated dingus. Yes, it's always uncomfortable when couples fight. What? I heard that, you headless hypocrite. You called him Ichabod. You did too. Ugh, this is so unfair. You're saying I should seek out the attention I need because you care about me? Oh my god, really? Oh, I knew you still cared about me. You know what? We can go pumpkin shopping next Saturday. Just you and me, my sweet man. I wonder what those twinkle-hoofed boys up north are up to. But they have all kinds of pent-up frustration this time of year, with that ever-increasing seasonal crunch for retail and shipping jobs. Why do we have to be out so late for this thing? Oh, shush. It's tradition. Besides, where's your Halloween spirit? At home. Asleep. Welcome! Ah. Where the hell were you hiding? To this, our gathering of the Winking Hour. A secret society of selected friends who gather together to tell our tales of fright and delight. <sighs> Dude, there's only three of us. Do we really have to do the spiel every Yes. yes! It's a little thing called aesthetic. 
Continuing on, the Winking Hour Society has gathered here upon this All Hallows Eve. Pause for laughter. Uh, gathered round the eternal grave of the world-famous K-Bar, once the favored companion and paramour to Hollywood's first human heartthrob, Rudolph Valentino, the Latin lover, and the tragic foil in one of Tinseltown's oldest tales of globe-trotting romances, lovers torn apart by tragedy, and best of all, spooky ghosts. The hell does paramour mean? means their dingles were touching. Or some veritable arrangement therein. Like... Oh my god, can I tell my damn Zooey ghost story or not? <laughs> not. You're not helping me establish the aesthetic. <laughs> not aesthetic. <laughs> Moving on! <laughs> Our story begins nearly a century ago in the rolling hills of France. Uh, now we're specifically in France? <laughs> Fuck my life. In the rolling hills of Alsace, France, where was born a strong, healthy, Alsatian nobleman pup named... Scooby-Doo. K-Bar. Okay, the hell does K-Bar mean? Um... Uh, according to Google, it's a type of combat knife. Ah, so they're both thrusting weapons stored within a sheath when not penetrating virile young man? Whoa, what the hell, dude? But hey, it's Halloween, and we're telling scary stories. Get off my dick. You know that's how he got his name. I'm telling a scary story, not we. <laughs> it was funny. Weaponized baculum aside, K-Bar spent his youth learning the finest and classical canine manners at the Udnut family estate and roaming the countryside until that fateful day when a visiting Belgian diplomat introduced the young stud to his future lover, one Rudolf Valentino. The Latin lover was already a world-famous movie star. Truly, Valentino was the silver screen's very first male sex symbol, with an on-screen charisma that transcended species, attracting starry-eyed fans from across the globe. Old Rudy was famous for his work with his equine co-stars, performing astounding physical stunts together for their movies. <laughs> Even when most two-liquor actors would pass off their side of a performance to a better-trained stand-in, Valentino and his co-stars would perform horseback-based stunts that left audiences all aflutter. As the story goes, the young Doby boy was smitten with the debonair actor at first sight. And from then on, the two were inseparable. For roughly 30 minutes at a time, anyways. Well, then they weren't inseparable. Ah. From there, K-Bar was swept away to Valentino's extravagant Hollywood mansion, Falcon Lair, where the suave, confirmed bachelor-slash-animal whisperer lived with dozens of other canines and equines, many of whom had long been confirmed <laughs> friends of Toto, as it were. Toto hadn't even been... It's a saying. It is. It is now. Among Valentino's menagerie of mammalians were his favored canine cohorts, who above the full grounds access that most of Rudy's family enjoyed, had full privileges and access to all of Falcon Lair at their leisure. Chief among Rudy's special dogs was the one companion and lover he would refer to openly as his heart dog. And that title along with the wealthy actor's heart, 
belonged to Kabar and him alone. Aww. Although being a bit of a notorious leg hound himself, it's of no surprise that rumors persisted that Valentino often shared his bed nor stable, with many other Falcon Lair housemates, such as his reported affairs with one, <laughs> or two, Centaur Pendragon. Oh, there's no way that's a real name. Yep, Google confirms it. Centaur Pendragon, the well-hung Irish wolfhound. Oh, it does not say that. Well, maybe it should. Be the change you want to see in the world. Scandalous rumors also surrounded Rudy and the Arabian stallion Firefly as well as the sibling pair of Italian Mastiffs, Shaitan and Sheila, and countless others on four legs and two. Despite millions of adoring, swooning fans from across the animal kingdom, not a one of them, including Rudy's human wife of the time, held Kabar's place at Valentino's side. Everywhere Valentino went, so did his loyal stud Kabar, always sharing their first-class room at night, and their globe-trotting romance was certainly noticed by the world. Well, just because they shared a first-class room everywhere they went, that doesn't mean... <coughs> I couldn't even say it. Wow. For whatever reason, though, Kabar stayed behind at Falcon Lair only once during their use together, and it would sadly be Valentino's last. Unfortunately, like many Hollywood fairy tale romances, their tale would end in heartache when Valentino fell ill while in New York, passing from this world a few days later. It is said that the moment Rudolph Valentino shed his mortal coil, Kabar was taken with unshakable grief, howling out his breaking heart for all of Hollywood to hear, shaking everyone who heard it soon joined by every canine at Falcon Lair as they sung Valentino to the bridge. Kabar was absolutely inconsolable until Rudy's brother came to calm the Wailing Widow. But that wasn't enough. Nothing could be enough to soothe the doorman's aching heart. And so he left. He never spoke of his time alone, but months later when Kabar finally returned to Falcon Lair, it is said his paws were worn raw to the bone and his once proud, muscular body had wasted away to almost nothing. Friends and family speculated for years that the mournful Kabar had traveled on foot to New York City from here in California and back, searching and scenting in vain for the lost sheik who loved him. Kabar recovered from his journey and physical wounds, but he never recovered from his broken heart, passing only a couple of years after his Latin lover. Kabar and Valentino were never reunited, even being denied an eternal resting place alongside one another. Fucking bigotry. Good dog, the past sucked. Mm-hmm. Glad we don't have to deal with that anymore, at least. It is said that Kabar's spirit still roams Hollywood, searching Falcon Lair, Rudy's grave, and of course, his own grave. They say, if you listen quietly on the right night, you can hear Kabar's searching howl, or feel the tender lick of the Doberman upon your hand. Ooh! Th that's not really scary. That's still just sad. Mm. Okay. That was a good one. Even if it was a huge downer, 
but I'm going home to my bed now. But I haven't dismissed the society yet! <sighs> and thus does our gathering of the Winking Hour Society come to a close. May the spirits of Zooey Pass bless you on your journey home. <laughs> well, I liked your story, even if it wasn't really scary, per se. <laughs> <laughs> that was great timing. My heart dog. <laughs> oh, that's so freaking fun. Every single time. What do you say, you, me, Firefly, both centaurs, and the Mastiff's twins join Catherine and the rest for our annual Halloween party? Oh, of course, my chic. The years have passed and the pilgrims are no more. On cool autumn nights in Massachusetts Bay, when the moon is full, people hear the soft knickers of a mare sensing her youthful lover near, or hear young Tom's voice call out for his beloved, both destroyed in life by ignorance and bigotry, yet forever together in haunting ghostly harmony. That story legitimately always gives me the chills. Big shout out to our desert rat friend for sitting in his ghost story for us to enjoy. If you want to hear the full story read by Doodle, check out our Twitter or YouTube pages. Twitter at Zooier Than Now and YouTube at YouTube.Zoo.WTF We're going to start posting some bonus content soon since we have hours of outtakes on the <laughs> cunning room floor. We sure so do. So many hours. Oh, so many All hours. Alright, we're coming to the close of this episode. Is there anything you guys want to say before we head out? I did. As I was out uh, on a training run this week, listening to one of many podcasts I listen to while I'm out running, mm -hmm. uh, I don't even remember which one it was, but a a, a subject and, and an item came up that just immediately stuck in my mind, and I thought, wow, that's, that says something so concise and perfect that I really wanted to share it with our listeners. Mm -hmm. the, the podcast was discussing a particular minority community and uh, some political challenges they were facing. The details aren't relevant. And one of the hosts said, by lifting each other up and making each other as successful as we can be, we make our community more successful and in turn open the door for more success for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it was like, Can't wow, say yeah, fuck that. yeah. Whoa, that, yes. That is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that says so much right there. Yes. Stand with each other because mm -hmm. we're a community, and by uplifting each other, we're uplifting our community. Now, it always feels good to uplift others, whether mm -hmm. we uplift ourselves or not, right. because empathy is good. However, mm -hmm. as a relatively small, percentage-wise community, when we help each other to be successful and to be healthy and to be strong, we help our community, and then in turn, our community is in more able to help us to do the same. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful, yeah. and that's true, and that we're all links mm -hmm. that build the community. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when we have the chance to help other zoos, whether we know them or not, whether we like them or not, whether we always agree with them or not, it's not really the point. It's that we share mm -hmm. something and we share a community and by being part, a, a healthy, productive, constructive part of each other's lives, when the opportunity arises, we make ourselves as a community and individually better over time. Mm -hmm. So why not? Elk, yeah. And I exactly. Just, I, I, I actually stopped in the trail and 
because also I was tired and I wanted to stop, but it was a great opportunity to stop on the trail and go, yeah, that, right. That's, that's so true that by, by reaching out and doing what we can for each other, we make ourselves better and stronger yeah. and healthier and more able to help, help each other in the future. So that is my little, you know, hippie uh, insight for the week, for the month, for whatever. And I, I wanted the opportunity to share that because it just made me smile <laughs> and it made me recognize why that feels so good to do whether it directly benefits me or not, or us as a community or not, to help another zoo is just a good thing to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Just helping people in general is a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. Zoo or not zoo, it doesn't Very matter. Well said. We of all course. need to help each totally other with everything. Mm -hmm. I think well it's said. something that, yes. I don't know about other societies, but certainly in, in Western American society, we lose a lot of connectivity uh, we have a lot of isolation, yes. and and we don't, we we do, yes. we are increasingly losing a sense of community uh, in various different aspects of our lives. So I think um, that might be something that a lot of us. It's kind of a foreign thing for a lot of us in our society, um, and I think that that might also contribute to why uh, you know being a part of community can feel like something that's magical uh, because you know if you're in the mm. gay community and you're like involved or even if you're in a church community and you're involved in the church like the way it feels yes feels good yeah it's um yes it gives you a sense of purpose uh, a sense of you know uplifting mm -hmm. helping other people helps you in return uh, there's really no reason not to be altruistic downside right. yeah there's no downside. I, I as uh, as my friends know, I recently finished a 50 kilometer trail race, which was a big milestone Hell for me, yeah. given that I'm supposed to be dead from Twitter. <laughs> or, yeah, <laughs> dead from, from Twitter. Twitter. Boy, is that a flame? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes, indeed. Um, actually, <laughs> I am amazing. dead from Twitter. <laughs> I am dead to Twitter. Twitter is dead to me. <laughs> yeah, that just shows you. Wow, that was my subconscious reaching out through my tiredness. Um, I am supposed to actually be. I'm not supposed to be dead of Twitter because that's not the idea. I am supposed to be dead of cancer, and I'm not. And finishing uh, the 50k run was something I had set as a goal for myself to see if I was really coming back to full health. I have, back in my 20s and 30s, was an ultramarathon distance runner up to roughly 50 mile distance, but it's been decades, um, too many decades, I don't wanna say, since I've done that. And one of the things that I had forgotten about the ultra running community is how much this is part of that little world. Because when you're out on the trail, it took me with some asterisks and rounding errors, about 11 hours to do that distance, much slower than I used to as a kid. So I, by the end of the, actually through the whole run, I was moving slowly, um, intentionally and with a big smile on my face, but mm -hmm. I just took it easy for the day. And when other runners would come by, young, old, men, women, didn't matter. They'd say, hey, how you doing? I'd say, I'm doing great. You doing okay? Yeah, I'm really doing good. And they'd look at you and it's such an ultra runner thing and say, you're doing wonderful. You're going to make it. Oh, wow. You look great. And it just... It, it's a thing we do, like it's a thing. And uh, you do that with each other. And we say, remember you're out there on these long runs and boy, can that make a difference? Yeah. You know, somebody you'll never see again, you've never met before. They come by and they say, how you doing? You look great, you're doing good, you're gonna finish. And it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like, I am gonna it, finish. It just, so it, it makes the sport so much fun because everybody in the sport will comment on, man, ultra folks, even when you're competing and which, you know, I'm not cause I'm slow, but even the front runners, they help each other out all the time. It's a thing. It's just part of the community. And I, I think that 
it's not unique to zoos mm -hmm. for us to want to be that, you know, our better selves. Mm -hmm. And it feels good, as Doodle says, you know, being good to other people is just nice. Yeah, definitely something we need to practice more in our community. It's a, a lot of these, a lot of people decide they don't want to participate, to participate in the community because of some trivial thing that happened or some sort of fear. And they decide, well, I'm going to be stay oh, yeah. in the community and just stick to myself. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that, but it's like the community could always use extra support. We need to be there to help each other. We need to be there for anything that someone can need just for support, talking about things, you name it. We need to yep. be, need to come together as a community to help hold each other right. up. I think it's very hard to it's be nice isolated thing. as a yep. zoo because when you have yes. other zoos in your life to help you uh, just be supportive uh, of a, you know, a sexuality that you don't get a lot of support in from uh, non-zoo sources all the time. Especially the positive feedback and the, and the positive energy and the positive uplifting uh, the, mm. the difference that one kind word can make right. on, a, on a tough day, it's impossible to overstate that. We've all experienced that before. And to be able to give that mm -hmm. and not just receive it, it feels even better to give it to someone else than it does to receive it, in my experience. So as mm. Doodle says, why not? There's, there's no downside. We yeah, really it, have every opportunity to benefit from this, and it makes all of us better. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have, it doesn't have to be some giant thing. It can be something as small as just saying, hey, I hope you're having a good day. Something super trivial and minor is with people that want to complain that yep. it's, well, I don't want to take the time and I don't know the person. It doesn't matter. Just uh, even the smallest kind word can help make brighten yeah. someone's day. All right, guys. We are coming to the end of the show. But before we can end this Halloween special, <laughs> we have to check in with our dear friend Zooey. So we will be right back after this. Welcome back, Zoo Nation, to another episode of Ask Zooey, the number one cross-species relationship advice show on the internet. This creature feature features creatures with fetching features. I'm your host, Zooey, Mistress of the Dark. And I'm Tuggle the Magnificent. As always, gentle zoos, we'd like to remind you to send your questions any way you'd like. If canine stripograms are too expensive for your taste, we do have a convenient email contact form at zoo.wtf, and we're always available on Twitter at AskZooey. Today's letter is from Moon Moon from Saskatoon. Moon Moon writes, Dear Zooey, I used to have a crush on one of my friends back in grade school. Her family would no matter what make her skip school once a month. During last summer break, I ended up randomly running into my old crush, and wouldn't you know it, even after all this time, we really hit it off. After a week of seeing her, I finally got the courage to ask her on a date, and to my great glee, she said yes. After the first eight or ten dates, she confides in me, and I know how unbelievable this must sound, but she is a werewolf. I thought she was just joking at first, but, but one full moon night at her place quickly made me a believer. I was still shocked when she first transformed, and I had to remind myself that she was still the same person I had come to love, just in a different package. In this case, one with four legs and a tail. Last week, I was caught off guard when she told me that the next time she transforms, she wants to have sex, like her as a giant wolf and me as a human. I told her that I wasn't sure about that, and that was probably not the best tone of voice to use. She then asked if I didn't always love her, as she feels that she is just as much herself when in wolf form as in human form. What should I do, Zoe? Stupid me just assumed. I never 
ever realized how she doesn't see any difference in herself as a human or a wolf. I'm afraid I've really done it this time. I've tried apologizing to her, but she told me that she wants to be loved for who she is and not for who she isn't, and that she's proud of who she is. I wish I could go back in time and change what I said. My heart is breaking, Zooey. Well, dear, the quickest and smartest remedy is to acclimate to the Loop Guru gal's way of life. Culture shock is a tricky thing to tackle, but honey, it should never bar your path to love. Nobody's the same as another person or animal, no matter how much in love you are. As a follower of our podcast, as far as I can assume, what with you reaching out for this Dane's opinion, you should easily guess that we green light this little amorous liaison, human or not. Love is love, darling, and your human sweetheart is the same person in her gorgeous furred body. Still, adjusting to that is never an easy feat, so here's my advice. Sex won't be the easiest stepping stone to lycanthropic understanding, though trust me, dear, it's quite the rewarding stepping stone once you get there. Take time to get to know your lupine love, go for walks in the woods or hunts even, help explore the wolfy side of her when the moon finds itself all but full, by indulging in the natural world that werewolves are all too fond of. Talk to her about transformation, learn what it's like to be a wolf, study wolves at your local zoo. The place, not the person. Unless they're a lucky enough zoo to know a wolf, hmm. And most importantly, have conversations. Show to her that your love is more than a physical thing. You found a treasure of a relationship, dear, and not having a conversation shouldn't tarnish that one bit. And when the sex comes, well, we do have our favorite previous Ask Zooey episode, wherein the secret to perfectly pleasing your pup-esque friends orally is eagerly shared. We hope that you'll learn a thing from another person's way of life, and that your love blossoms into the bloom it so deserves to be. Here, here. Hopefully a little understanding will help you bridge the gap to sexual intimacy. Let us know how it goes. And thanks for writing in, Moon Moon. That's all the time we have for today, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. We look forward to answering all your Zooey relationship questions next episode. Keep those submissions coming. We'll see you next time on Ask Zooey. Same zoo time, same zoo channel. Thanks, friends, for listening to this Halloween episode of Zooier Than Thou. Our next episode is Legal Beagles. Leave it to Beagles. Let's do a little bit of Fausty. Uh, but but Fausty won't be inside of a beagle. That would be weird. <laughs> It's going to be well worth the wait, so don't miss it for anything, unless it's Beagles, in which case, totally miss it. You can subscribe to the podcast via our RSS feed. Just point your favorite podcast client to rss.zoo.wtf, and off you go. You can even find us on Spotify, even though it's totally for boomers, <laughs> YouTube, Alexa, and the fruity one. If you don't see Zoo Earth and Thou in your favorite podcast directory, drop us a note so we can rectify that tragic error. He said rectify. <laughs> also, our podcast website is still zoo.wtf we finally remembered why we named it that but it's a secret we're not telling twitter at zooier than thou that's also a secret and you can follow zooey's naughty advice get it naughty at ask zooey z-o-o-e-y naughty k-n-o-t-t-y get it naughty She's actually on Twitter now, so it's worth following. Follow Fausty at Lacan Spink. I'm actually on Twitter, but totally not worth following. Also, I might block you. And Toggle at One Big Grumpy Rat. But it's mostly just Mario Kart posts now. And I'm at One Dapper Donkey, because mares. A reminder that we have a form that enables anonymous submissions to the podcast on our website, zoo.wtf. You can also email us at mail at zoo.wtf. Q-mail banter. Yeah, right. Is that 
mail or mares at zoo.wtf. Actually, yes. whatever you type in at zoo.wtf, we're probably going to get it. So just whatever you want. <laughs> Fair enough. You can ask Toggle to stop hating old people. Uh, ask Zuya about your werewolf boyfriend or mares. Uh, <laughs> or hurt Fausty's feelings by calling him a lard ass. You could also <laughs> contact co-host Fausty with his hurt feelings through his website, his being me, which is awkward, Fausty.org. Or you can just visit me in person. I'm very sad. Also very lonely. Just kidding. You can share Zero Than Thou via our new links, spotify.zoo.wtf, castbox.zoo.wtf, youtube.zoo.wtf, geocities.zoo.wtf, etc, etc, etc. All non-humans overseeing production of this Halloween episode were actually real-life werewolves because it's Halloween. If at first you don't succeed, tie, tie again. Thank you to everyone who has already contributed to our Help Save My Dot Dog campaign. You've got a great start, but work yet to do. Stop by our website, Help Save My Dot Dog, share it with your friends, and let's get Lucy back on her feet. We've got some pretty cool stuff coming up with the Help Save My Dot Dog campaign. Stay tuned and you'll hear that in the next episode. This is Old Man Fousey. I am actually too fat to get up. I'm just rolling around on the floor here. And this is Doodle. I'm confused. When do we start recording? <laughs> and this is Toggle. And this is my parody account, so haha, <laughs> you can't do anything. And you've almost finished listening to Zooier Than Thou. Stay defiant, fellow zoos. We'll see you next time. You feel like <laughs> howling at the moon. Oh! Insert howl sound. <laughs> uh.